everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, brought to you by HypeBot.com. Big shout out to Bruce and everybody over at HypeBot, everything they do to support the podcast. Get over there and check out HypeBot.com. So Jay, we have a special guest joining us this 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 week. Today. <laughs> we do. Who do we have, Michael? We have Scott England, who's the general manager of FanBridge.com. And um, for those welcome, of you... Welcome, Scott. Welcome. Uh, thank you. For those of you who are not aware, FanBridge is an email marketing platform, basically. It's a, it's a, great, dust, it's a great tool for building your email lists and managing your email communication, basically. Yep. Correct? Yes. <laughs> Got it. Nail on the head. So, um, you know... I guess let's just go back to let's start with this question. I get this basic question all the time. Does email marketing matter anymore with social media? Absolutely. I'm glad that's where we started um, because that's a common question that we have, um, which is um, why email when there's all these sexier new platforms that I could be on. Um, And we never try and say you should do email instead of, social media. Uh, We always think it should be email and social media. And the closer that you can put those two things together, the better, because they're both very powerful. Um, And they're powerful in very different ways. Um, But email is still around and it's very uh, important for marketing. I recommend, uh, there's an article from the Harvard Business Review um, around 2012 and it says, why email marketing is king. Um, And it, it explains a lot about what, what are the unique benefits of it? Um, and some of the things that I like about email marketing most is that it's an owned audience that you have, the email list that you build, um, that's yours. Um, you can remove it and do whatever what you want with it, you know, with some guidelines. Um, but when I started with Fanbridge in 2009, I think in my uh, interview they asked, um, how familiar are you with MySpace pages? Um, and so that's something that is probably less of a skill. But at that time, um, that's where a lot of people were focusing their attention. And when that didn't become as uh, a big a tool for marketing, you couldn't take those fans that you built on MySpace and then export them and then put them somewhere else. And so I think we're seeing this with you're kind of taking a, you're kind of hoping that things like if you're putting a lot of attention into uh, Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram, um, that this work that you're putting in, um, that it stays, um, you're kind of subject to the terms of Facebook or the terms of whatever social media you're on. Yeah, tell me a little bit about what what works, because I know that as a marketer, <clears throat> email works, and I know yeah. that I watch open rates and click-through rates, <clears throat> and I kind of see what works and what doesn't. But I also get a lot of emails from mm-hmm. artists. And one of my pet peeves when I get emails from artists is we don't have a ton of time. You know, we're all very busy um, and with work and family and school and socials. And we don't have the attention span that maybe we used to have. How do you kind of reach people without giving them reams of, you know, things to read? Um, are you a big fan of you know, bullet points, executive summaries, keeping it short and sweet, or does do you have different tactics? There definitely are different tactics. Um, I 
personally see that a lot of really concise messaging uh, with links to take whatever action that you want, um, specifically a primary action, um, preferably in like a button where it's like, go here to do this action that I want you to take. A simple call to action. Absolutely. But there are some artists that are very successful at having uh, very long emails. I love getting um, Amanda Palmer is one of our artists and her emails tend to be kind of long, but they're very personal and they have a lot of great yeah. photos um, and those work as well. So it depends on how you want your newsletter, but a lot of people tend to make it as here's some news and here's where you can take actions and, and multiple actions. So there's like a primary action that might be um, stream this album here. And then there might be other actions of, you know, check me out on social if you don't want to do that right now. Um, just having multiple things to do. How many choices should you give somebody in an email? I sort of feel like you risk a problem where you give them too many choices and nothing happens. If, if you've got a couple primary goals, stick to that. Give them one or two things and that's it to do. Yeah, and you might want to think about what is expected of the fan with those actions um, because there are things kind of big, like funding, like donate money to a um, project or to um, buy an album or buy tickets. Those are kind of bigger things. And then there are smaller things like sharing something on social, reading something, following. So you want to kind of have a mix. If you have too many of big things of, you know, especially about purchases, um, that can get muddied. But if it's something where it's like, I don't want to give money now, but I can follow, I can like a post, um, that's a good mix. Yeah. Do you find, um, well, let me just ask you, do, in music, what do you think a good kind of open rate and click-through rate are? I mean, if you read, you know, uh, stories on the web, you'll see, you know, it's anywhere between 15 18%, you know, kind of open rate for music and maybe 2 to 5% click-through rate. Does that sound about in the ballpark of what? Absolutely, yeah. In general, email marketing tends to be around 20%, and then music's a little bit less. I think that has to do a lot with the fact that if you're a business um, or maybe like a nonprofit, you might email more regularly than a musician who has tends to have cycles. So... You might have a down period where you're recording an album and then it comes out and then you want to, you know, blast people with this album's coming out, this tour is yeah. coming out and it tends to happen all at once. And yeah. while that's expected, we do recommend that musicians try and email semi-regularly. And there are a number of different reasons why it keeps your list clean. Um, and that's a big part of email reputation, which yeah. feeds into your deliverability. But also you don't want to be kind of like that friend that only hits you up if you need a favor or ask for money. Um, Help some moving. Of my, yeah. Some of my... Uh, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. When, when you... Would, like, only hit me up when they, like... Yeah. There's a new album. Like, where have you been for the rest right. of the year? Well, let me ask you this. When you get an email in your your email box, you know, we can we can kind of read it without opening it. You know, we can kind of see the preview or in some cases actually see a lot of the body. That's not really counted as an, an open, is it? Uh, no. So if you just read the like pre-header text and the subject line, um, that wouldn't count as an open. 
Yeah, and then sometimes you, you even get a preview, you know, like in my email. I'll, I'll get enough of it where I can kind of read through it. So some of those numbers may be a little bit off. People may be getting your message, you know, without actually opening it and, and going through it. Correct, yeah. But if, if you have stuff in there that you want people to do, you definitely want to make sure that they're clicking to open and then taking actions. Do you stack stuff? Is it like the inverted pyramid kind of thing where you put the most important stuff at the top and then kind of tailor down? I've seen that work the most. We've done some experiments with some senders where um, we put in the subject line the item that's at the bottom so that when you read okay. it, you're looking for the thing that's at the bottom. And that actually ended up improving the number of clicks and also just like the total read through of the email to make sure if you have a lot that people you want people to read the whole thing um that might be a tactic right sneaky i like that let, let, yeah. let, let me let me ask you scott uh, you know dealing with a lot of musicians th especially independent and young musicians um this is all new to them so they're they're going well why do i even need to use an email service like fanbridge can't mm -hmm. I just use Gmail and CC everybody? <laughs> Ooh. Well, uh, and, 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 and listen, I hear that. I, I'm sure we've all heard that yeah. from people. It's like, can I just copy and paste all my email addresses into a Gmail message? I have had a few artists that have tried that. I came to Fanbridge saying, like, I did this and it did not work out. Um, logistically speaking, the way that is different when you're doing it to a lot of people. Um, normally when you're using Gmail, it'll be one-to-one, -one, or if it's a group, it might be maybe at most 20 people, and that might get out of hand. Um, but if it's like 2,000 people, Gmail's going to have problems with that on deliverability, and any email client where the inbox is kind of meant for that purpose. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and by deliverability, you're talking about, I mean, here's, here's what it comes down to is there, there's, there's white lists and black lists out there, mm. basically. ISPs white list other ISPs and say this is an okay internet service provider. They can send email through. Mm. And, and a service like FanBridge, you guys are big on, you are whitelisted. Right. And, so and, we're, and the, so explain what that means to to the end user. So reputation is going to be a big part of your email getting into an inbox. It's not the only thing, but it's a very big right. ingredient. Uh, <clears throat> other things might be the individual uh, inbox holder or your fans uh, history of engagement with you as a sender. So you as a sender email. Uh, what Fanbridge does is we make it so that you can send mass amounts of email, um, so thousands, hopefully you have thousands of fans or you're gonna get there. Um, and we make it so that you're sending with a reputation of a company that can deliver this big amount of emails and yeah. email providers like Gmail and Yahoo and AOL are gonna be okay with that. Well, let me ask you this, because I've had this happen with MailChimp, Constant Contact, where I'll have a client that has, you know, 10,000 names or 5,000 names <clears throat> and they they run some of those to you know like they'll ping them to see if they're good and if a certain percentage come back as bad they will refuse you uploading that list but the problem is some of these artists they don't regularly clean their lists 
and they have some of these like I know because one of my artists I found my old email that I have it was like 10 years old that was in his list can you send out a list to I'll make up a number 5,000 people and then you know see what comes back and see what the bounce rate was and see you know and kind of help them clean it up you know if they don't have a super clean list we always um, we can do as much as we can, and there's only so much information that we have. Uh, we have a whole database of emails that we know are bad because they either bounced or we know they just don't exist. Um, there are also things like duplicate email addresses or just like known bad email addresses. Things like no reply addresses aren't anything you want to send to or Craigslist emails. Um, but we can only do so much um, just because some old email addresses look okay on paper, but sure. the inbox itself is is gone. Right. And can you can you address maybe the difference for those who don't know the difference between maybe a hard bounce and a soft bounce? Absolutely. So at both situations, um, the email message that you're sending cannot be delivered to the inbox. Um, with a hard bounce, that is an email address that is just flat out invalid. Um, it's either it never existed or it's been closed down um, with a soft a misspelled bounce, maybe right there might have been an error um, with a soft bounce that email address does exist but it's not accepting emails a lot of times it's that inbox is too full um, we see a lot of like dot edu or work emails have soft bounces because it's an inbox that doesn't get used maybe that person moved jobs or that person doesn't use their college email address anymore um, with Bambridge, we'll remove soft bounces, but only after repeat soft bouncing. Because to it's us, funny. It's funny you should mention that. I, I worked for Universal for about eighteen years, but I took a little break in the middle for a few years. And when I came back to the company, they assigned me my old email address, yeah. and it had thousands of email. Like they'd never shut it down. So yeah. after a while, when that filled up, those people, I'm sure, were getting soft bounces. So how, right. so, so how does FanBridge help the user? So if it's a hard bounce, do you immediately automatically remove it for the user? Absolutely, yeah. Because for us, if you keep sending or try to send to a hard bounce email, um, let's say that that hard bounced email is a Gmail address. Um, Gmail will say, this person is trying to send to a bad email. They probably bought this list. Maybe they scraped it. Um, we're going to then not trust them to send to email addresses that are good on Gmail. Um, and so that's something that's a reason why cleaning your list is really important for your deliverability. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So, um, you know, another basic question I get all the time is FanBridge versus Constant Contact versus MailChimp mm -hmm. versus there's, there's a number of services out there. I, I think I know the answer, but I want you to tell us. How do you differentiate FanBridge from, from the competition, from the other email services? Well, our bread and butter is email, and that's the same for a MailChimp or a Constant Contact or a lot of different services. Um, for them, their biggest clients are probably going to be companies or small businesses or anything like that. Uh, for FanBridge, we want to focus in on... on um, at the time that we started in 2006, it was just musicians. Um, a little bit later, we found out that more than just musicians, like 
comedians, authors, uh, YouTube channel um, creators, that they have fans and that some of the needs of email marketing are just a little bit different. Um, it can be things like the sending frequency. So we have a, we do our pricing based off of how many messages you're sending out and not how big your list is. Um, so it can be a little more economical um, if you need to go up and down a plan as your marketing needs get more active and then a little bit quieter. Um, and also we want to focus on really meaningful integrations. Um, I think my favorite thing that FanBridge does because it helped me personally when I was helping clients was you have a great integration with bands in town um, where you can easily port in upcoming tour dates into an email campaign. And when I show managers and artists how it works, um, they're just like, I wish this was here, you know, two years ago or three years ago when I was making emails because email marketing is great for touring or when you want to get people to buy a ticket to come to an event or to show up for a live yeah. event. Um, typing out that information is so tedious and takes up so much time. Um, I've helped musicians you know, send out their tour emails and just retype like the date venue and sure. ticket links themselves are like hard to hunt down. Um, also, if the ticket link is wrong, that just yeah. gives you, you know, even more frustrating because then you have to deal with all these people saying, I'm trying to buy a ticket to this yeah. concert and it's not working. So the manager of just like switching over and just dragging and dropping a list of tour dates can save so much time. I think that alone, people really like Fanbridge for I, that. I, yeah. I, 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 can, I can agree with that. I've, I've used that feature for a client where it, it, it's literally just click a button and you insert all your bands in town tour dates mm -hmm. and you're done and i can also attest to other clients who don't use that integration manually building out an email of 60 80 100 tour dates is a very long tedious process and inevitably there's always errors a wrong yeah. date a wrong venue name a broken ticket link that sure. it, it takes a lot of work to clean up and make sure a manually built email of tour dates is valid. What kind of information can I expect on the back end? You know, is, um, what, what kind of information on these campaigns um, would you provide? So campaign information, um, that would be like analytics on how it performed. Uh, sure. The standard ones would be open rate, bounce rate, um, and then the click-through rate. Also seeing which fans took those actions. Um, so if you wanted to, especially if it's a really important email campaign, if you wanted to resend an email to people that didn't open it, um, that's a really common one. Um, if you wanted to follow up on people that clicked on a, a certain link, that's also really common. Um, we'll also show opens by time of day. Um, also just like a general timeline of opens. And then another popular one would be how that particular campaign compares to other campaigns you've sent. Is this a more successful one or is this less successful? So okay. if you're running AB tests, if you're figuring out if your fans are the type that likes to read longer emails versus shorter emails, this might be information that you want to use to gauge, you know, what things my uh, my readers like. Got it. 
do you um do you do you do you allow um users to set up like a trickle email a funnel of basically you know if they didn't reply to this one automatically send this if they don't reply to that do you have that type of system um so it's something called drip campaigns, drip campaigns um and yeah. it's kind of like a uh, time based so after however many days i want to send this particular message that you write once um and then as long as it fits certain criteria fans um, so maybe if you're running a sweepstakes and everyone's put into a group, maybe after two days, if they're in that group, they get this email. Um, and I find that that's really helpful for a number of different things, especially if you want to build the amount of data that you're collecting. So if you want to just get email address for a fan, um, you might start with that. And then maybe after a few days, you say, hey, like update your information, you know, make sure that we have your geographic information. So, uh, your, you know, what city and country are you in? And then that way, if you're doing tour emails, if you want to send e emails about just like the West Coast leg or the European tour dates, you can appropriately cater your message to geographically where your fans are. Do you integrate with any of the socials, do any like lookalike audiences or any, any kind of integration where um, you can use that data that you have with social data to reach um, we, an audience? We do collect uh, like Twitter handles and Instagram handles, but that would be if the fan offers that. Um, and that would be more for like a one-on-one um, -on -one interaction. Your information is going to be siloed so that your subscriber base is yours and it doesn't necessarily reference other artists or um, anything like that. There are some laws coming up that are going to restrict how fluid data is. Um, there's a law that's coming out called GDPR. It's the European law, but it's going to be affecting almost all, most companies, anyone that's storing personally identifiable information. Um, and it's going to uh, make it so that your, any like subscriber information is um, kind of like yours, that it's, that there's consent there, that they opted into your mailing list, um, and that you can't necessarily share it around or reference other things if the gotcha. subscriber didn't allow that. Gotcha. Is anybody doing anything kind of groundbreaking or exciting these days um, that you could share with us? Is anybody kind of like doing it right? Any best practices for us? For best practices, um, sometimes it's the simplest thing um, that works the best um, for gathering fan information, which tends to be something that people want to know more about. How do I get more fans? Um, I would say just do an audit of where do people consume you online. So whether that's Facebook pages, your website, I'd say one of the more interesting things that I saw was someone put in a sign up link on a description of a YouTube video. And it wasn't even like near the top. It was kind of in the middle around a bunch of other stuff. And that's all they did for email collection. They were a new account and Overnight, they grew a majority of their mailing list just from people clicking on that and then signing up uh, with FanBridge. Once someone signs up to your mailing list, we automatically encourage them to share that with their friends and followers. Um, and that gets about a 30% referral rate. So nice. for every three fans signing up to your mailing list, one of them is saying, I just joined, 
XYZ's mailing list, and you can too here. And so that list just grew so rapidly. Like I was on a call with them, and then two hours later, they're like, we're hitting a thousand people. And then it was just growing on the call. And it was, it was just a simple thing. Um, you can do things like instant rewards. Um, like if you want to say, join my mailing list and get a download of an MP3 file. Um, that's something where you can reward your fans for doing something right away. Um, and it's automated. So you don't have to keep up with that. It can be an MP3 file. We've also had people do um, sheet music, like a PDF of sheet music. Yeah, and you facilitate that. So if if I had, say, some artwork or, like you said, you know, PDF with sheet music or tablature or something like that, any kind of offer where it's, hey, sign up and you get this, you can facilitate that transaction. Absolutely, we'll host that, and we'll make sure that the delivery is the way that you want it. Great. Uh, how how do you integrate with various website platforms? You know whether it's Bandzoogle or or WordPress or anything that that various musicians might use. How easy is it to add your email sign up? We have a couple different options, um, and some of those are depending on what website host you're using. Uh, for both WordPress and Squarespace, we have plugins. Um, where you say, like, I want my form to have, you know, this and this field, this field is required, um, and it's a matter of copying and pasting code in. For everything else, we have widgets where you can put in, um, you know, you'll create the HTML of the form that you customize, and then you copy and paste that code in. Um, we also have things like capture pages and landing pages, so for places where you can't embed a sign-up form, an example would be the YouTube description, but things like Twitter posts or Facebook status updates, putting in a URL for like join my mailing list here and making it so that it's a page where there's not too much other information on there, that it's just a sign-up form, they know exactly what to do. Um, you're gonna get a lot of people that have um, complete that page. Um, so no matter where you are online, there's always a way to get, you know, point someone to joining a mailing list. This is, this is, this is, this is great. Um, you know, I, 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 I use FanBridge. I've also used all the other services. I will, I will comment that one of the, besides the bands in town integration, I love the fact that your pricing is based on usage, not on size of list. Um, yes. which I've had a number of clients who, you know, best practices to use your list, but that's not necessarily reality for a lot of, lot of artists. And they end up spending with other services, a lot of monthly fees just to have a very large email list sitting there and doing nothing with it. Absolutely. And not only just like not using it at all, but you're not going to be using all of it all the time right and so things like going on tour because you can on fanbridge target an email message to you know a specific state or a zip code and a mile radius around it you're not going to be sending everyone every email and that's also going to call out over sending emails i don't want to annoy anyone um, if you're targeting your messages, you can probably find that I'm giving you relevant information. Um, so this isn't going to seem like a waste of my inbox space. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. I mean, I, so, I, I, I think I think it's definitely worth 
the while to look at what you envision your usage is going to be when you look at your email service. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people find you? Um, find me like on FanBridge. Where can, where can they find out more about FanBridge and, you know. Uh, well, we're at FanBridge.com. Um, and we also have Easy. a really great blog. And that's F-A-N-B-R-I-D-G-E.com. Um, our blog is fanbridge.com backslash blog. Um, for anyone that has a Fanbridge account, we also have really great video tutorials. Um, if you like the sound of my voice, sometimes I do those. Um, and if not, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Fanbridge is a great place to start up. Uh, we try and make sure that we connect you with an account representative if you have one to help you especially with getting started, that tends to be a really hard process, um, like transferring over a mailing list or where to begin or how to embed a sign-up form, you know, come to us. I'm always happy to answer questions too. Great. Fantastic. Scott, this was awesome. Thank you so much for, for taking the time out and, and joining us here on the Music Biz Weekly. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Uh, email is always a fun conversation. Uh, it is. It, 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 it works. And, and I think, you know, he mentioned that and I know you know that, but I don't think a lot of people know that, that, you know, in this world of socials, sometimes people forget about email and it still is viable and it still works. Yeah. It, 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 you know, he, he nailed it on the head. You own the email addresses. When somebody joins yeah. your email list, that's yours. You can take yeah. that from Fanbridge to somewhere else, to another website, to, you know, you leave the band, they go with you, they're yours. You can't take your social networks with you yeah. any shape or form. You have no way to transfer those contacts, those followers, any place. Right. And and in, in its simplest, I always tell people, think of it this way. Email address is a direct, direct connection to a fan who said, I want you to send me information about you. That's when they give you an email address. That's what they're doing. They're saying, "Yes, you have permission to send me stuff," and it goes yeah. right to me. And I think their attention spans better. I know mine is when you're going through your feed and social. Sometimes you scroll through pretty quickly. Um, when you get an email, that requires a whole different level of engagement. And uh, I'm a big fan of it. I love that you brought up the uh, the bands in town. Um, you know kind of uh, engagement there. I think that's really great. Yeah. You know, and, cool. and I would encourage everybody, if you're doing email, you better be doing email marketing. You should constantly be testing it because the goal is to keep growing the open rate, which yeah. means you open the email in your email application and the click-through rate, which means somebody actually clicked a link in the email. Those are the two critical things. That's right. And and the open rate is driven by the subject line. So you've got to constantly be thinking about that subject line. What is going it's to be compelling? Compel somebody to open it up. And once it's open, is the design, the layout, the messaging, the graphics, are they driving somebody to click and take an action? Right. Is there a call to action and, that's and, clear and easy? You know, growing those by 1% is a big deal. That you is. know, we're not talking about getting it to go from 10% to 70%. 
as you as you mentioned, you're probably always going to be around 15, 18% open rate. And that's good. That's, that's good. Not but bad. If, if you can go from a 15% open rate and a month later get it up to 18%, that's 3% more people who are opening up yeah. and reading your message. That's right. Constantly There's a couple of emails working. that that I send out. One is when I do uh, these little living room shows that I do. Those open rates are 70, 80%, but it's a small group of very focused people. You're not going to get that on large lists. I send out your morning coffee um, on music news to about 5,000 people, and I'm getting right around between 30 and 35% open rate every week. And I'm thrilled with it, but I watch those numbers really closely every week to see what are they responding to, what are they not responding to. So to your point, Look at the data, see what people you know what's working and what's not working. Sounds pedantic, but do more of what's working and less of what's not working, you know, and make sure you have a clear, concise call to action. Yeah, you know, you've got to pay attention. If you see an open rate drop, if you're typically doing a 15% <clears throat> open rate and you send out an email and it, it had an open rate of 10%, you need to look at what changed. Why yeah. what what did you change in the subject line to drop an open rate? like that and that happens right. that happens don't freak out because things do happen like that but right. you've got to you've got to pay attention and and you only get this by building up your own email history to compare yourself to it's yeah. great to go well what do other bands do and what are their rates but it's really difficult to actually compare yourself to anything else out there because you don't yeah. know their strategies you can only compare right. yourself to yourself and what you've been right. doing, and that means you have to have an email history of using email to go, all right, I dropped 2%, something changed, what did I do wrong in this one? Yeah, and the last thing I would add to that and that I've learned from years of you know doing these emails is that seasonality is huge. Like even, you know, this weekend with Passover and Easter, it's going to affect your open and your click-through rate. You need to look at like last week, a lot of people were at South by Southwest, you know, and if you're doing a music um, email, that's going to affect that. You might have a delay in, in your opens. So watch your seasonality and well, holidays also, and summer and You know, you got to think about where your fans are. If, yeah. if, if you as a band member or a marketing person are in the U.S., but the fans are in Europe, sending it out what's convenient for you here in the U.S. is not convenient for the fans. Right. You want to schedule and it so it's in their inbox when they're having breakfast. That's right. Which is, a, is, is an odd time for you, but you can schedule these emails. That's right. And there's their seasonality is different. You know, you get Italy, Germany, France, some of these places shut down the month of August. And you're like, why did my open rate drop so much? You know, again, different territories, as you mentioned, have different behaviors, you know, different time of day has different behaviors. But if you watch that seasonality and all those factors, you'll see all this stuff in the back end and you'll learn yep. from it. And all I can say is grow your email list. It is it is gold to go from a thousand fans to five thousand fans that's that's gold substantial that's, that's, that's absolutely really important to be able to have an email list like that so um don't take email list and email marketing lightly get out there and really take advantage of it and take a look absolutely at yeah all right that's it music biz weekly podcast we're out of here until next week